Okay, we're back here talking about parents and grandparents. And we, as we said, you know, the world has changed, but where a lot of our experiences are about our experience back when we didn't, we had paper plane tickets and things were more expensive, it seems, and harder to get. You couldn't just get on your phone and grab a, a ticket. But um, I think what we also wanted to talk about was, um, I think, you know, deciding when to be available or to come home for your People have asked us about how did y'all decide to leave? And it wasn't one specific issue. Um, they want to just hear one thing, but you know, I think we've shared, have we? I think, I, I think we might have. We had like a multiple yeah. things that called us back. And, and we don't like to put them in an order. I mean, but we had two kids that we felt needed a next time, next thing in their well, they were getting going to ready college, to transition. High school. Vicky was quite feeling burnout. Um, I had come to the end of some projects and, you know, I was thinking about my mother, um, at the time, I guess she was 89, 88, 89. And my brothers had been doing a lot for her. I mean, she wasn't super needy and believe she was it or independent. not, quite independent driving, but still needed, you know, someone had to be caring and shepherding her along because my dad had passed. Uh, many years ago. So that was playing in my mind that I, I wanted to be with my mother, but I also wanted to pick up my pick up the weight of caring uh, for my mother. And it was it's quite a blessing to be able to say I had these 10 or 11 years with her. And um, that's a, a big thing to do. I, I, I also was able to be with my cousin as he passed away from cancer and got to be there for that. But I think missionaries can can feel guilty and wonder when should we come home? We you know, in hindsight it's always so clear. We've we've seen families where they stayed on the field and said we can't come back or we're choosing not to come back and then their kids are feeling quite alone, no real base, no real home, no real source. Maybe they didn't have the easy phone calls. And so we're kind of thinking, wow, those kids came back, big decisions in their life, trying to get through whatever, college choices and things and careers. And it was hard to not have their parents available. But these are hard decisions. And then... Um, we yeah, were, and, and interestingly, my parents are about 20 years younger than David's parents were. So... Um, so it, we, I've never had to really do anything until this recent, um, hospitalization right? with my parents. So this is a very new thing for me to, to be a part of my parents' life in this way. Right. Cause my mother was 39 when I was born and I was telling somebody the other day, my some of my memories when I was in middle school was my mother had gray hair, you know. I I and and always remembered her as having gray hair. So she was older. She was often the age of my friend's grandparents. Yes, actually, your mother and my grandmother were the same age. Right. Um. So so it's as we 
caring for our parents and helping with them is not, um, is not something that a lot of us think about until it is upon us, I guess. But it is also a very honorable thing to do. And I'm very, very, very glad right now I mean, that we are nearby so I can do that right. with my parents. And not that everyone is called to that because... People have different siblings, uh, church situations with parents, all that kind of thing. Every situation is is completely unique and different. And there's no judgment um, for what people do. But it's not glamorous to care for aging parents. But it brings glory to God and honors him and honors parents in a way that I feel like the angels, it is a testimony in heaven. Mm -hmm. This is any kind of ministry that is uh, unseen is this way, whether it's caring for a special needs child or caring anything that is, is unseen is seen in heaven. And Vicky, think about how my mother, who was such a force when she was at her when she was strong and her energy in her sixties and seventies. I mean, a, an incredible pioneer in so many ministries, women's ministry, so full and... of joy and strength and independence and driving. And to think those last years when here we were caring for her, here we were. The one who had always cared for me, and and even care carried me. weight spiritually throughout our lives by praying for us. We could talk to her about things. We can, you know, and to see her broken and weak and slipping away that was not easy, but it was an honorable thing. And it's the heart of God of shepherding mm-hmm. um, and caring. Um, you know. We had been talking about how parents can bless their children by learning the balance of this is hard, we're going to miss you, um, but we trust God and we're going to trust you. I hope we can come over um, and maybe we can help pay for you to come here and things like that. I just remembered, and I, I think it really helped that we took effort to send videos and to arrange our schedules to be with them when they came or when we came. And so, I don't know, I've talked to, when I talk to young people or couples about going overseas and they say, well, my parents think I'm crazy or they don't know the Lord. Um, sometimes they, they, they might view them as the enemy and they're just a hindrance and they're not seeing this glorious thing of God reaching the nations. And so they they dismiss everything that the parent has to everything say. Everything the parent is saying. If we haven't said that in a previous podcast, um, that is a very dangerous thing to do. This person has raised you, does know you, and might be seeing things that you're unable to hear because you're saying because they don't have that Christian worldview... It doesn't mean they don't 
know and have insight about you. Right. And that's why you need multiple counselors. But part of those counselors need to be your parents. And so when Vicky's parents or my parents had concerns or came to visit and said, y'all need to get, I think you need to consider something or you should come back and have the doctor look at that. Or it was not a, they weren't trying to be controlling or pushy, but they wanted to help us and we needed to bless them by honoring that. But I just have seen couples sometimes dismiss their parents' concerns. Well, one of the ministries we do is talk to couples and give some practical advice and wisdom in a way, I mean, the kind of wisdom that maybe their parents are trying to give them or grandparents or aunts Mm -hmm. and uncles, but the couple is unable to hear because they're saying they don't get what I'm doing. Um, And so sometimes we have to give some hard advice and we have to be, listen, I don't have any skin in this game. I need to tell you straight, this is what it looks like. And, you know, why don't you, what if you took a job and stayed for another year? What if you looked at getting a job over there? What if you went with a different group? What if you, and, and they're just like, it's so hard, but when they hear it from us, it's a little easier to hear. But it's the same thing their dad has been trying to say, or their mother. Who may or may not know the Lord. Right. I mean, they may see patterns in life of quick decisions, or uh, making decisions without thinking, or not considering um, all of the ramifications, not thinking long term. They may see all sorts of things. So you... Be very careful. And of course, every parent has sin and so will say things that are just plain selfish about their own disappointment and with not having you um, live near them. Or do what they say. Or do what they say. I mean, knowing when to let go of your child is important. I remember talking to a mother who said, David... My child, my, you know, my daughter lives in a country with her husband and we're so concerned because of her health or their decision to have a child or, and they, she just won't listen. And I remember thinking, how can I get in a position where Vicki and I can speak into their lives? And this is where it's on the couple. It really is to be getting multiple advice. If all their talking to or two or three of their friends that are doing the same thing and going or their teammates going junk, going native and you know it is crazy when you hear people that go native and make some really really I don't know they make decisions about cho- choices regarding their children or choices about where to do medical for themselves and then you know there was just this idea that well, it's good enough for the local, it should be good enough for us type thing. Education. We've talked about that in education. Various options. And then three years later, as Vicky said, they're not even in the country anymore. You know, they're living in Kansas. And you're thinking, wow, I wonder if they look back, could they see that what their parents were trying to say or what someone else was trying to say was step back and take some perspective. Um, this is your only child. Um and, and so interesting, Vicki, we used to talk to the locals who, when you think about it, they're 
sometimes they often make try to make the best choice for their child to get the best medical that they have care access to or can afford to. education or having a child or going to see like you know for a local when you tell them no i'm not going back my dad is sick and dying of cancer what you know they just look at you and go oh no but you see we're committed to the mission um or because they actually know that you can afford to. Whereas right. when I talk to a refugee here locally in the U.S. and they tell me that their parent is sick, they can't. They can't. They can't get back. But I will tell you that they would spend the money to get back if they had one penny more than that. Right. Well, we're, I think the same couple, if they were in the States and they were told their child might have this, they'll find the best hospital in town to be treated. It's it's the most normal thing to do if you have access to it and you can afford it. And so it's interesting how what we're saying is we can spiritualize some very practical decisions regarding family. And we've talked about, it's been a theme we've talked about throughout this is to, I think a key word is balance. I remember Vicki, we, one of our daughters both had eye issues. And yes, we... We didn't just drop everything and fly over here. No. Nope. We researched. And in the big city we were in, if we'd been in a small village, we would have gone to the big city. We would have researched. And we found a doctor who had an, an ophthalmologist, I guess he was, that had studied in, in his country but had done a residency. a residency in the States and had and got a good exam and learned this and basically when we came to the states it was the same diagnosis and so we went to there for the treatment of their eyes and we were prepared to make a decision um if we needed to you know you don't want to say well no my neighbor can't go to for you know to another bigger city for certain what but your neighbor would if they had access. If they knew someone in a bigger city, they'd go access. So, so. our reasoning gets a little spiritualized. Yes. It's very um, yes. interesting. Not that, you know, we live in the biggest house or the nicest neighborhood we can afford. We're not saying that. We're talking about important decisions of education and, and medical. medical. You know, I, I remember a few years ago we were talking to a group of people and... One of the guys uh, followed David out the door and said, I disagree with so much of what you have said, so we need to get together and talk and have more conversations about this. And that is probably the best example of an attitude of, hey, I disagree. Let me talk and understand why you're saying the things you're saying. Whereas if you only hang out with people who agree with you Mm. in your thought, you're never going to be challenged and there may be things God has for you. Well, that's where multiple counselors, people outside your team, outside your organization, um, people in your church back home, tell them what you're doing. And if you say, no, I don't need to know what they, I'm, I'm God's, emissary here on the ground. I'm I'm God's ambassador in this country and we have made this commitment and we're doing this. And 
unwise decisions can be made with that attitude. No doubt about it. Well, and talk with people of different ages. You don't want to only talk about people in your age and phase of life. You want to talk generationally. Absolutely. Because someone who is 40 years older than you will definitely have a different perspective and may have a better perspective about the whole council of life, the whole things that they have, they have things they regret or things that they did well that turned out well, and they have much wisdom to offer you. Now you've got to, the, one of the key words we probably keep using throughout all of these podcasts is the word balance, because we know that I will get, I could get advice from medical people um, or people in our church and our home, and they can't even imagine living where we are. They would have never gone there, and but I can still take some advice and say, well, if you ever get back here, I would say you need to this get this kind of test and everything. Now you can panic and say, okay, then we just need to leave the field. So there's balance. There I mean, is balance. We've seen. So you don't be afraid of giving advice that is completely counter. Um, you know, Vicky. Yeah, don't be afraid of listening to it. No. It, that doesn't mean you have to follow it, but... You know, back to the... One of the things that really... Heard it. That helped your parents and our parents with the way we were living, the, the decisions we made, and living where we did for as long as we did, was they saw the way we made decisions. They didn't see us cutting off and just saying, no, you know, we're just going to grunt this out or, you know, we're... I guess what I'm trying to say is sometimes if you see, if you're making, like Vicki and I said, you're shutting yourself off from a full council from a lot of people, then parents are more worried and they're saying, I just don't, I'm not in agreement with what they're doing with their lives. Is it because of where they're living? You know, because they're giving themselves to uh, learning another language in the country. Well, if that is not something to disagree with, if that is the Lord's will for them. But when they make um, what they think are unwise choices, education, medical. Um, well, I think people make choices like I've seen a lot of people make choices in education. Just, you know, well, we would never homeschool because philosophically homeschooling is wrong. Or we would never send our kids to an international school because philosophically missiology there that's going to put them in a bubble or we would never send them to a local school because that would expose them to things and i'm not willing to do that and it's extreme it's 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 and it's a missiological philosophical principle and they're making all their decisions based on that for all their kids for all their kids who are all different but we all know even here in the U.S., you could say, tell me about your kids. Well, turns out this one needs to, we've chosen to go to this public school next, you know, nearby. But this one, this one, we've got them over at a little private school. And what about the other one? I think we're going to homeschool that one this coming. <laughs> so you're like, why? Because you are you were looking at the child's needs. You weren't, as you just said, Vicki, some kind of value, the appearance or this is what we do as missionaries. Our kids all—they definitely don't need to be homeschooled. Remember, we would hear people say, "I'll never homeschool," and then 
two or three years later, they're like, hey, can we talk? I've never done that. I saw it both directions. I saw people saying, I would never in a million years put my kids in a local school. And then they end up doing that because the situation changes. They find a school that um, is a, a good school that they can can do it. I saw actually the, I will never type statements. I would say almost everyone I heard, including myself make, I will never do this. Right. Ended up doing that thing at one point or and another. And that is often being directed by a misunder, well, pride, as pride. you said, Vicki. But how does this relate to parents and grandparents? Well, let's bring this back around. I think one of the things that really helped is they saw us seeking counsel, trying to make good, wise choices about the times we came home, our education for our children. Well, I mean, they saw we me were, actually pursue a an online and then on furloughs um, certification to work. At, I, I mean, I'm a professionally certified educational therapist, because one of my kids needed that, they saw that when that need was there, I either we either were going to have to move, or I was going to have to be able to fulfill that need for my kids because education is important. So it built trust in them. Yeah, it did. So whenever you feel like, oh, our parents are against us, what we're doing, what aspect, you know, just just going away from the local town, well, that one you don't need to debate, or moving to this country, well. What if they, their practical advice about, we really think you need to be nearer a city, you know, with these particular needs as opposed to out in the jungle, you know, weigh that with all the other advice. If you're seeing similar counsel coming from people, maybe your parents aren't just being selfish is what we're saying. So I think one of the things we did it to instill trust for them, which enhanced our relationship with our parents is the decisions we made and how we sought counsel. And what and I think there's wisdom. I mean, when, when people have come desperately, David, can you help? Our child is doing this, our daughter's doing this, my son, and we've talked to them and we don't, you know, and then it, what it feels like to them, and this is really sad, and they may be with a really good mission, and many people are supporting them, but it sounds like they're in a cult and I we can't stop this. They can't seem to see some real obvious practical things that if they were living back here at home, they would not make. That's that's well, or there are continuation of decisions here. Like let's see that let's say there is a um, single younger woman, you know, 21, 22, and parents are watching her normal sort of the I don't know, impetuousness of youth. And they're seeing her in parts of town that are not safe that they know of. They're seeing her disregarding all, you know, please don't go there without someone with you. And she's like, well, God will protect me. And she goes, they're seeing those types of decisions. And they're wondering what's going to happen when the stakes are even more. And you're in another country. If you're that disregarding, of basic counsel. counsel. And you're right, Vicki, and that can be happening here. And, and, and so, by the way, these principles we're talking about are also true with ministries uh, 
here in the U.S. because when you make choices where you live is an intentional choice because the community there or the economic level or the ethnic community there, um, you're right, the same kind of thing. And so what we're just asking for good balance and wise counsel and, you know, sometimes you, they think we're not going to ask people who live out in the burbs or we're not going to ask people who um, don't live on the field. How could they know? And so there, once again, this is where a parent or a grandparent can feel that they're inside of a bubble getting counsel only within that world and they won't just, you know, I'd ask a question, have you thought of further education? Have you thought about going back to school, even online, just having a degree in case you ever left the field? Have you thought about this? And if their organization or their team or their community is not doing that because we're here for the work and we're here until it gets done, and yet the parents are saying, but what if you had to leave? Well, what about down the road? You may not always be there. Well, we are guests of the countries in which we live. And you could leave at any time. And there are many reasons why we leave. And most of the time, we don't think we'll leave. But once again, uh, parents, whether they know the Lord or don't know the Lord, whether they believe in this mission or not, may be trying to counsel you in some ways because they know you since the day you were born, that you need to at least put that At least consider. Consider that. And then when you see several in that generation... Um, and then you, you know, whether it's brother and sister or aunt and uncle or other people of that same saying it, don't disregard that so simply as they don't get the great commission. Now we're not saying follow everything they say no, because they're going no. to say things that are not what God wants for you. Well, when we got home, people said, boy, things have really changed over there and it's just getting crazy and more, more extremists. I guess you're glad to be back. And we're thinking, no, that's not why we left. Uh, has nothing to we do with We had peace it. about living there when they would have said, what are David and Vicky doing over in that place? They would have never gone. So that kind of counsel was no help. Um, but these are the kinds of areas where we just need to be careful. There's a, there's a way to honor them. There's a way to listen. There's a way to, as you said, Vicky, consider their advice. And um, I think that helped in our relationship. Yeah, we may need to come back and do a third podcast yeah. on this, I think. Well, or maybe, yeah, we'll see. But this has been Good Talks. Yeah. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for listening today. Feel free to email us with your questions to david at esionline.org. It's always encouraging to hear from our listeners how God is using this podcast. Our ministry is called Equipping Servants International, which exists to equip churches, organization, and individuals to reach the nations both at home and abroad. Our desire is to see people better equipped when they leave, be able to thrive and be effective on the field, and transition back home well. Our book is called Mission Smart, 15 Critical Questions to Ask Before Launching Overseas, And it's available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. Remember to subscribe to our podcast to get more episodes as they're published. 